Steve promised me the next time we do a Lady Gaga song, he will do it only with a kazoo and a ukulele. <laughs> and admit it, you want us to put back up the slide that says, ooh, la, 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 ooh, God. You should admit it. I saw some of you tapping along. We will get to the significance of that song in just a bit as it pertains to where we're going today. But again, we've been, just to bring us all up to speed, last five weeks we've been journeying through this New Testament book of the Bible called Galatians. It's a letter. It's not a fairy tale. It's a real letter written by a real person to real people a couple thousand years ago. Actually, it was written about 25 years after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It was written by the Apostle Paul, who wrote it from a town called Antioch in modern-day Syria, which is due north of Jerusalem. He sent it to Galatia, a, a province in the Roman Empire located in modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor. And he wrote it because when he converted to Christianity, he was a missionary, and he went and he took the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he took it all throughout the Roman Empire. And there were people in Galatia, in this Roman province, who responded to the message of the gospel. They received it. And years later, Paul had heard that there were people who had infiltrated the church throughout Galatia, and those early Christians had drifted away from the simple message of what the gospel of Christianity is all about. And so Paul wrote this letter as kind of a stern reminder and in some ways a rebuke, a very passionate letter saying, don't drift away for the simplicity of the gospel message. And so over the last five weeks, we've been looking at in our own lives how we tend to drift and what the simplicity of that message really is. And over this uh, five-week journey, we've looked at kind of the two approaches to what the gospel is. The people in Galatia, the church in Galatia, had been influenced by the idea that Jesus was the starting point, but then you have to become more religious. That that's what the deal is all about. You're made right with God by taking some Jesus and then adding some religion to your life. Paul said, no. You couldn't be more wrong. This isn't about you. The gospel message of Christianity is not about you. It is decidedly about who God is and what God has done. The gospel is God's initiating work, and over the last five weeks, we've talked about some big concepts of what God has done. He has justified us. For those who place their simple faith in Christ Jesus, Paul says, you have been justified, you have been adopted, you have been given an inheritance, and today we're going to talk about how you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. You've been justified. That is, we've talked about how we are all lawbreakers. We are prisoners to sin. But if you place your faith in Jesus, he sets you free. He acquits you. You are justified. And Paul has also talked about if you've been justified because you've placed your faith in Jesus, you are also adopted into the family of God. Whether or not you are a Jew or a Gentile, most in this room do not have Jewish blood. It doesn't matter. You can be male or female, black or white. does not matter, young or old you can be adopted into God's family because you've been justified. And because you've been adopted as sons or daughters into the family of God, we've talked about how you've been given an inheritance, a promise, 
a promise first made to Abraham thousands of years ago, fulfilled in Jesus, and that will be eventually consummated when the new heavens and the, and the new earth come. A promise, an inheritance, because you're adopted and part of God's family. But wait, there's even more. And today we learn about the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, to tie in last week, remember, God says that he sent Christ for, for our freedom, to make us free. And in the section of the letter that we're going to look at today, we're going to see that there are two ways to live, two ways in which we can use that freedom. Freedom can either be a license to do whatever we want, which is really at its core is narcissism, or freedom to do what God wants to do in and through us, which is being led by the Spirit. So if you'd like to open up your Bibles, if you have a Bible, go ahead and do so. We're looking at Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 through 26. If you have your handheld device, some other interesting technological gizmo, you can dial up Galatians 5. We're going to look at verses 16 through 26. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Now, one way to live... One way to use our freedom is to live however we want, to indulge, in essence, the sinful nature. And, I, and I've got to say that there is a passage in here, and it's, and it's 519, and it talks about how the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. He goes on, it's a big list. And honestly, I've been around this church for a long time, and I know that some of you see a list like that, and you're like, see? That's what Christianity is about. God's just some killjoy who doesn't want me to have any fun. And some of you have this image of God that God is like this mean old school teacher. And she's got her, you know, sweater shawl on, and she's got her short rim glasses that are just kind of hanging on the end of her nose and her tightly, bonnet, you know, tightly wound hair. And she's walking up and down the aisles of the classroom with a ruler in her hand, just kind of doing this. Not good enough. No, not good enough. Don't do that. Stop doing that. And some of you have a view of God that he's like that, that he's some deranged school teacher. And that when you see a list like that, you say, see, God doesn't want me to have any fun. Can't even live a little. What God is saying is the opposite of that picture. God loves you so much that he gives you a free will. And that, with that free will, you can live however you want. You can live however you want. God loves you that much. But he says, just keep in mind that if you choose to indulge your freedom to live 
on your terms, it will always, always wind up with a hollow existence, and you will, in the words of the Spiritual Formation Bible, I love this, you will end up in the ditch, always. So God tells you about a different way, not because he doesn't love you, not because he doesn't want you to have fun. He wants instead to give you a fullness of life that you cannot accomplish and that you cannot experience by living life your own, by your own terms. And I know, because I've talked to a lot of you, and a lot of you are here today, because you have gone down that path. You have used your freedom to live however you want, and you know, and you're here today because you know that that life is empty and that you maybe even today are in the ditch. And you want and you desire more out of life than what you've experienced thus far. And Paul has something through these words to offer you. I don't want to pick on Lady Gaga because she is a very much a woman of her times. Madonna really opened a door and Lady Gaga has gone in and she's playing in that room. And I do not hold anything against her because she is simply living out the inevitable worldview and her lyrics express that path which is a narcissistic, it's all about me life. And it's sad when the object of life is to pursue a bad romance. Do we really want to come to the end of our days and say, don't know how I use my time, but I'm so glad that my life was filled with toxic relationships. But if we're not careful, the, the pathway that the culture will tell us, though it sounds like freedom, this is the ultimate irony, it will enslave us. The pathway to freedom will lead to slavery, real slavery. We will not be free. And that's why Paul offers a different way. Faith in Christ leading to being led by the Spirit. Now, for some of you, when you hear about the Holy Spirit, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, when you hear about the Holy Spirit, some of you, unfortunately, have been influenced in all the wrong ways by Star Wars. Now, you will not have a more, you will not see a more ardent champion of Star Wars than me. But Star Wars has had a negative influence, really, on our view of the Holy Spirit, as strange as that may sound. Because for some of you, and maybe a lot of you in this room, your idea, your thinking about the Holy Spirit is, is kind of driven by the force. You're kind of like Han Solo. It's kind of, you kind of have this view of the Holy Spirit as some mystical energy field out there. And what the Bible is offering you is a very different picture of the Holy Spirit. In the mystery of the Trinity, Christians believe that God exists as one God, eternally existing as three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, which means that if we're led by the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is someone, is God with whom we can have a very real and dynamic relationship with, day by day, minute by minute, second by second. And then, if we are in connection, if we are being led by the Spirit, then we will actually produce fruit. Now, let me focus on this first for a second. Notice that fruit is singular. I've been a Christian for a long, long time, and only recently was it brought to my attention that but the fruit 
It's singular. Now, maybe that's been obvious for you for a long time, but this isn't a checklist. It's one, it's not fruits. So it's not like, oh, we're doing good over here. Oh, we need to improve over here. There's an interconnectedness to what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit, and to produce fruit. These character qualities, it's not a virtue checklist. It's an interconnected thing. In other words, there are some of you who, by your very genetic design and wiring, some of you are just gentle people. It's not a, you're not necessarily being led by the Spirit. You're just a gentle person. But you're also incredibly afraid. You're a fearful person. And you're gentle, but if it comes to even lovingly confronting someone, that just scares the pants off of you. You're petrified. You're gentle, but you're living in fear. The fruit of the Spirit is not being made manifest in your life. And some of you are very loving people. You are, in the sense that you are passionate about causes that are deeply, deeply important. And you, are, you have conviction and passion, but you're not a kind person. You steamroll people. Because you get very impatient when people aren't at the same level of development as you and don't believe with passion the same things that you do and don't live out their lives the same way that you do. It's possible to be a quote-unquote loving person, be a real jerk. And if that's the case, the Spirit is not producing fruit in your life. Hear the words of uh, Dr. Tim Keller. Are you growing? Would the people who know you best say, Increasingly, you're becoming a harder and harder person to discourage because you're getting happier. And you're becoming a harder and harder person to fool because you're getting wiser. And you're becoming a harder and harder person to embitter because you're becoming more humble. Do the people around you say, you're a lot humbler, happier, wiser, more patient, more peaceful, less anxious person than you were two years ago? Is anyone going to say that about you? Maybe you're not growing. fruit, interconnected. Do you see why it's so vitally important that we're connected to others in community? We need people around us to gently and lovingly tell us, you may not be aware of this, but we need people to hold up the mirror in love. People in our lives, and I love the phrase that Howard Hendricks used, we need people in our lives who love us, but who aren't impressed by us so that hard truth is spoken in love. We so desperately need that. God exists eternally in community, Father, Son, and Spirit. How much more do we need loving community around us? But it begs the question, does it not, how do we grow and how do we produce fruit in our life? Very, very practically, one of the most important spiritual concepts that I've ever learned, learned about 20 years ago, is a practice called spiritual breathing. Some of you may know about this. Some of you may hear this, and you may think I'm going down a weird New Age tangent. Spiritual breathing is simply this. Every one of us right now is breathing, inhaling, exhaling. Spiritual breathing is simply a moment-by-moment -moment praying without ceasing relationship with the Holy Spirit. When we find ourselves thinking things, saying things, doing things that we know are out of alignment with God's best for our life, we just, we just confess it. Lord, forgive me. I'm Holy Spirit, I should, uh, please forgive me. Just breathe it out. And then just inhale. God, Holy Spirit, fill me with yourself. Please show me the way to go. 
tell me what to say in this conversation. Please guide me, Holy Spirit. Breathe it in. And you don't have to say it out loud. You may say it out loud, but you just say it softly to yourself. And it's the ongoing relationship that you can have with the Holy Spirit day by day, moment by moment, second by second, breath by breath. You don't have to be in a special building to do that. You can do that wherever you are, spiritual breathing. When we walk with the Spirit, when we're led by the Spirit, we can produce fruit in our life. I love how the Spiritual Formation Bible puts this. Fruit is the outward evidence of the inward reality of abiding in Christ. God, Father, Son, and Spirit, interconnected, very compatible. So what God tells us throughout the Scripture links up with each other and it complements from book to book, from verse to verse, from letter to letter. Abiding in Christ. Jesus himself said in John chapter 15 that if you abide in me, if you remain in me, then and only then can you produce fruit. In other words, again, the list isn't a virtue checklist. These are the things I'm going to do today. I'm going to be a more kind person today. I'm going to be a more uh, loving person today. I'm going to be a more gentle person. No, 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 no. You're making it about you and not about God. Jesus says, if you abide in me, then you will produce fruit. He's using that metaphor of plant life. Fruit isn't produced in a microwave. Fruit takes time to grow. We can't grow unless we're connected to the source of life. And Jesus says, I'm the source of that life. Do you want to use your freedom to, give, to produce the life that you so desperately want? Do you want to use your freedom to produce a life that the world so desperately wants to see in and, us, in and through us? As you abide in me, Jesus says, then over time you will produce fruit and you will see change and you will see growth. But abiding and remaining in God takes active engagement from you and I. And it's interesting, from a concept of spiritual growth and spiritual formation, if you've been around the church at all, you know the word discipleship as this theme of spiritual formation. What does it look like so that our lives look more and more like Jesus? Henry Nouwen said this. I quoted this a couple weeks ago, and I'll quote a different part of the essay today. Henry Nouwen says in his essay titled, Moving from Solitude to Community, the word discipleship and the word discipline are the same word. That has always fascinated me. Once you have made the choice to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus, the question is, what disciplines will help me remain faithful to that choice? If we want to be disciples of Jesus, we have to live a disciplined life. In the spiritual life, the word discipline means, and hear this clearly, the effort to create some space in which God can act. The effort to create some space in which God can act. And let me just be exceedingly practical and very personal at this point. It is not possible, if you have crossed that line and made that decision to put your faith in Jesus, it is not possible to live a life deeply abiding in Christ, being led by the Spirit, if you are in a hurry. It's just not possible. This 
is a room. Look around. We are a collection of frantic, frenetic, fast-moving, hyperactive people. I do not know how it's possible to be led by the Spirit when we're going so stinking fast and when our lives, in many ways, are out of control. Dupree Bingham gave me this book a while back as I was preparing for the talk on the Sabbath. It's by Mark Buchanan. It's called The Rest of God. And Mark Buchanan says this, and I read this, and it kind of punched me in the, in the face. I've been, a I've been in a hurry most of my life, always rushing to get from where I am to where I'm going, always cocking my arm to check my watch, doing that habitually, mechanically, mindlessly, always leaning heavy on the gas, in the passing lane, angry that the driver in front of me doesn't share my sense of urgency, that she's in no particular hurry, can't seem to imagine a world where anybody would be, always fuming over having to wait in bank lines and grocery checkouts and road construction zones. But all that hurry has gotten me no farther ahead. It's actually set me back. It's diminished me. My efforts to gain time have only lost it. Whole epochs of my existence have swept by me in a blur with nary a cheap souvenir to remember them by. There are seasons and seasons of my life swallowed whole, buried in a black hole of forgetting. I can guarantee you that that's a convicting description of reality for lots of people in this room. We live in a fast-moving time. And if we're going to abide so that the fruit of the Spirit can be made known in our life, it's going to require slowing down. Now here's where the Holy Spirit gets extraordinarily annoying. The Bible says you and I have the opportunity to be led by the Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit has an aggravating tendency to do is go very, very slowly. And notice the language that the Bible uses there. We can be led by the Spirit. Not, we lead the Spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit. Got a lot to do today. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Not inviting the Holy Spirit into our frantic day. All right, breakfast time, Holy Spirit. These are the things I want to accomplish today. I got a big list of things to do. If you could bless all that, really would appreciate it. You can kind of keep me safe as I'm kind of weaving in and out of traffic, going from appointment to appointment. Really would appreciate that. So if you could kind of just bless that time, great. Really, that'd, be, that'd be awesome. No. The Holy Spirit says, let me lead you. Which means that the Holy Spirit is in front, and we follow along, sometimes at a distance and sometimes right beside, but the Holy Spirit is determining the pace. And honestly, we don't like that. Why can't God conform to our timetable? Why can't God move at our pace? Friends, if we want to live freely, we need to slow down. And that's a decision that only you can make. I can't make that decision for you. The church can't make that decision for you. Great books can't make that decision for you. That has to be a choice that you make as an act of obedience to being led by the Spirit. A number of years ago, we read a book 
as part of our sermon series by John Ortberg. The title of the book was The Life You've Always Wanted. And the most poignant chapter in that entire book from a couple years ago was his chapter on hurry. I'll never forget that chapter where John Ortberg moves to Chicago. He dials up a spiritual director friend, and he says, all right, let me just tell you about my life. Really love some, some wise counsel on how I can live my life. And so he tells the spiritual director over the phone about his life, and he says, so what do you have for me? Give me some you know, spiritual wisdom. And the spiritual director says, okay, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And John Orberg said, great. All right, so what else you got? No, no, no. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And that's been the echoing refrain that John Orberg carries to this very day. And I hope we will take that challenge also. Because we can't live really, truly, freely unless we're being led by the Spirit. And we won't produce real fruit without slowing down to be with God. And we can't be slow without slowing down. That's a decision that's up to each and every one of us. God is inviting us into it if we choose to be led by the Spirit. So in conclusion, as we move toward, uh, toward communion, as we wrap up this series, some of you are new to Christianity, and you're new to the Bible, and you're new to church. And what the letter of Galatians has to offer you is, do you want to be free? Galatians says, don't try to be religious. It won't work. Surrender your life by simple faith in Jesus. Place your faith in Jesus, and God will start the process of transformation in your life. You'll be justified. You'll be adopted into his family. You'll be given the promise of inheritance, and you too can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when you make that decision to place your faith in Jesus. The life you've always wanted waits for you. And for those of you who been tracking with Jesus, who have made that decision in your life? Do you want to grow? Do you want to earnestly produce or see in you produced that fruit which honors God, which honors your relationship, and, and produces in you the life you've always wanted? Galatians reminds you that it's not up to you. Fruit is not something that you manufacture and that you grit it out by producing. No. If we are led by God's Spirit, then we can enter into deep abiding rest with Jesus, and then and only then will fruit slowly and gradually over time be produced in our life. Freedom for the life we've always wanted. So if you would, please pray with me, and then we'll move toward communion. Heavenly Father, I want to acknowledge the fact that you are exceedingly gracious and exceedingly patient with us. I want to confess to you that so often we have warped images of who you are that are in our mind, either from the culture or just from something that we make up, that are not fair, that are not accurate. You're a God who's patient and kind. 
and you invite us into a relationship with yourself. You love us so much that you gave us the gift of Jesus, who by his life and death and resurrection freely justifies us by his grace. We're given an adoption into your family as sons and daughters, dearly loved. We're given the promise of an inheritance, and we're given the amazing gift of you, Holy Spirit. Oh, that we would humble ourselves before you, that we would receive those gifts, and that we would learn to live slowly and freely so that you could begin the work in our lives from the inside out, producing the life that we so desperately want, the life that really we've always wanted. So as we go to communion, humble our hearts, help us to be quiet and still so that we receive all that you have to offer for us now. In Jesus' name, amen. really a unique opportunity this morning to kind of put into practice the encouragement we received from God's Word and from Mark this morning. This